0: Good morning, Orlando Baptist Church family. Thank you so much for gathering with us uh, on these renovation Sundays. Uh, If it's your first time with us, or maybe if it's your first time uh, in a while, or maybe if you just missed the last couple of weeks, uh, you got on campus today and you thought, what in the world is going on? uh, why is the auditorium shut down? Well, uh, for those of you who have been here a while, we have started some renovations in the auditorium. In fact, let me just give you a little update. We, we took a video uh, this week of some of the renovations that are happening. Um, so that's going to play. And as it does, uh, I just want to tell you, work has already started. This past week, we started uh, doing some framing on the outside walls of the auditorium, um, as we're gonna put in uh, some new drywall, some new sheetrock on those exterior walls to just uh, finish out the building. We've torn all the carpet up, all the pews came out a a few weeks ago. Many of you helped us uh, get that done. And so now uh, things have just gotta move along. So I would ask you to be praying with us that everything would go smoothly. Uh, This next week, they'll they'll do some more work on the framing, then the drywall will start. That should take uh, about three weeks Uh, to get done. And then we've got to paint, we've got to put in the carpet and um, things are moving along. So our our hope is that in about six weeks, we'll be back in the auditorium. So be praying with us about that um, and uh, that, that God would just help pave the way for that to get done. I want to thank all of you who made financial commitments uh, to help with our next campaign, which is the way we raise money to do this renovation. Uh, we didn't borrow money. Church, you stepped up and you gave. And uh, so for those of you who have made commitments, thank you. For those of you who have made commitments, but you haven't uh, turned in your, your commitment, your money yet, um, we're, we're getting close. To, we're starting to pay contractors and to pay for supplies. So I want to ask you to be faithful in finishing out your commitment and getting those funds turned in but man, we are excited about preparing for a new season of ministry in our auditorium. And can you believe it is almost back to school time. All of the middle and high school students in the room said, ah, oh, sorry guys, it doesn't matter how you feel, uh, we're, we're starting. Uh, here at OCP, we're getting ready. Uh, teachers are getting their classrooms set up and uh, we're excited about school getting started. And for those of you who are helping us with our supply drive, we, we told you last week uh, that we're collecting some school supplies to help families in need in our community, and uh, there are there are little flyers available that let you know some of the needs, and then um, we, we would ask you to start bringing those things in. We've got an event over at Inglewood Elementary School. We're going to help some families out. We've got some families here at OCP that we're going to help, and other families in our community that need help getting the kids back to school this year. So um, would you consider helping us with that? You can also, if you don't wanna go back to school shopping, how, just go, if you're in the room and you love back to school shopping, just put your hand up. I can't see you, but but I'm gonna believe that there are just some people who love back to school shopping. My wife is one of those people. So uh, Brooke and our our girls have been talking about their supply list and all that they need to get school started back up. Um, but if you are not into back to school shopping, if you go to our app, there in the giving section, there's a drop down that just says uh, school supply drive. And you can give right there, and we'll buy the supplies for you. We won't even make you go shopping. And we'll be able to be a blessing to some families in our community. So thank you for being a part of that. Well, we're continuing our study in the book of Psalms. We've got two weeks left in our study of Psalms, this Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, Next Sunday, we're going to look at Psalm 148, which is... um, all, there's, there's 150 psalms in the book of Psalms, so Psalm 148 is almost at the end. Psalm 148, 149, and 150 are all just incredible psalms of praise and worship, uh, glorifying and making much of our great God. And so next week, we will finish our psalms series. Uh, with a bang, Psalm 148, uh, worshiping and praising God. Today we're going to be in Psalm 22, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get open to Psalm 22. Uh, If you don't have your Bible, it's okay, you can follow along on the screen. But as we said when we started our series in the book of Psalms, uh, there are several different types of Psalms in the book of psalms uh, there's different categories different things that are covered in the book of psalms many of the psalms are hymns or declarations of praise called those doxologies and they just declare and praise god as arthur uh, and bev read out of psalm 103 a few moments ago during our worship service it just says bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name these are psalms of praise. There are some psalms that are teaching psalms, they, they teach us things. Psalm 1 comes to mind, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of living water. There, there are those kind of psalms that are teaching psalms, and then there are psalms that are psalms of thanksgiving that, that thank God for all that he has done for his provision, that, for his love, for his presence. There are a lot of psalms that we call psalms of lament. These are just psalms where the writer is pouring out his heart to God. And if we're being honest, a lot of us have had those seasons where we have more questions than we have answers and we just pour out our heart to God. Psalm 22 is one of these psalms of lament where David writes the psalm and and he starts out just asking questions to the Lord. But then there's one other type of psalm called a prophetic psalm, and these psalms point to events that have not yet taken place or had not yet taken place at the time of their writing. Psalm 22 is one of these prophetic psalms. It's written by David a thousand years before uh, the life of Jesus Christ, and yet it points incredibly to the suffering of jesus christ on the cross as we read through this psalm together uh, you'll see so many pictures in psalm 22 that we will later see in the gospels as jesus is suffering on the cross for my sins and for your sins and so i want to start off i'm going to read the first two verses uh we're going to see a parallel in matthew chapter 27 Uh, And then we're gonna pray and ask that God would use our time and and would teach us this morning. So let me move to the screen. Psalm 22, verse one. Tell me if you recognize this. David writes, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? He continues in verse two. My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer by night. Yet I have no rest. If you remember Christ's words on the cross as he's crying out to the Father in Matthew chapter 27, Jesus says this on the cross. It says about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? Which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? In this Psalm 22, we see David pouring out his heart to God, this psalm of lament. And maybe you have been in a season of life where you say, my God, my God, why why are you so far from me? Why have you abandoned me? Maybe even now you have that question. You're facing something and and you don't understand. This morning, we're going to learn that it's okay when we pour out our heart to God in this way. These prayers of lament, these prayers of of agony, just pouring out our heart to God. But we're also going to see through the prophecy of Psalm 22 that God answers those prayers through the person of Jesus Christ. So let's pray, then we'll get into the message this morning. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is true. Thank you that your word is sufficient. It is enough. It is able to transform us and to change us. Thank you that your word is alive and that it is powerful, that it has the power to point out areas where we need to repent and change and and point us onto the right path. So God, as we study your word today, today, I, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to see and to hear and to obey. Transform us by the power of your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. Well, Psalm 22, it's a Psalm of David. David wrote this Psalm 1,000 years before the birth and the life, the death of Jesus Christ. And yet we see in this psalm this picture of the cross of Jesus Christ that would come a thousand years later. It starts off as we read, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? For those of you who have been around church a long time and, and maybe you've been to a lot of Easter services, lots of times uh, where, where the cross has been talked about, it's, it's a familiar cry of Jesus Christ as he hangs on the cross and cries out to the father my God my God why have you abandoned me why have you left me here on this cross all alone we see in this psalm an an incredible picture of the cross and so as I read through the psalm I I just want to highlight some things and and then about halfway through the psalm it it changes gears and it goes from a lament uh, to a psalm of praise and so many times in Scripture uh, that's what we see in the Psalms. It starts with us pouring out our heart to God. And then there's a moment where our our gaze, our, shi- our, our shift, our, our eyes uh, sight changes and we see God for who he is in the midst of our dark place and we begin to praise. So Psalm 22, one and two, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance, from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. By night, I have no rest. And I'm gonna jump down to verse six, move over here to the screen. It says this, I am a worm, not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by people. As Arthur read out of the book of Isaiah chapter 53 earlier, it points to this Messiah who would be rejected by the people, who would be scorned by the people. But prophetically, this Psalm 22 uh, puts the words in the Messiah's mouth that say, I am a worm. What, what an incredible thought. Jesus, this prophetic Psalm puts these words in Jesus' mouth where he says, I am a worm. And, and in fact, G- when Jesus suffered on the cross, he, he was treated like less than human but there's something really cool about this word worm. I wanna put the, the Hebrew word on the screen. The Hebrew word is tolah, tolah. And this word is sometimes translated worm, uh, but it's also translated crimson or scarlet, which are two words that are used to describe blood. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, it says, though our sins are as scarlet, we will be washed white as snow. And prophetically, this word that's used tolah, Sometimes it's translated worm, sometimes it's translated crimson or scarlet. Uh, it, it, it points to the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, the reason you might be wondering, how, how is worm and crimson or scarlet? What do those have to do with each other? Well, there is a specific worm. It was called the Coccus Ilicus, uh, and it was a worm that they would crush up, and they would use uh, the the guts of that worm to dye cloth red. And so uh, the garments that the priests would wear in the temple, their, their red garments came from this Cocos Ilicus worm that they would crush up and use, uh, use its crushed up stuff uh, to dye clothes. What do you call it? I guess guts. I guess that's the best word. I don't know. Um, but what does that have to do with the cross, right? Well, we know that Jesus was crushed for us on the cross. He was crushed, his his blood was poured out on the cross. His blood was spilled for us, his crimson scarlet blood was spilled for us. Jesus says, I am a worm, not a man, I'm scorned by all. Let's continue in verse seven, says this. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads. And verse eight says, They say, he relies on the Lord. Let the Lord save him. Let the Lord rescue him since he takes pleasure in him. And in scripture, in Matthew chapter 27, again, we see an incredible reflection of of the prophetic words of this passage in Psalm 22, repeated where the religious leaders say this in Matthew 27, they're looking at Jesus on the cross and it says, in the same way, the chief priest with the scribes and the elders mocked him and said, he saved others, but he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. And listen to this. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now. If he takes pleasure in him, for indeed he said, I am the son of God. Psalm 22 gives us this incredible picture of something that when David wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit, it was just a, a crying out of David's heart to God as he faced the difficult season in his life. But God and his wisdom and his sovereignty was giving us a picture of something much greater, a picture of something that was yet to come when Jesus Christ, his one and only son, would give his life on the cross as a ransom for many going to jump down now uh, from verse 8. We're going to go to verse 14, and let me move to the screen again. Again, prophetically, David writes these words in Psalm 22, verse 14. He says, I am poured out like water. If you remember the story of the cross when Jesus is stabbed with a spear in his side, and it says that blood and water poured out. It says, my bones are disjointed. We know from history when crucifixion took place, and Uh, A a convicted criminal was nailed to a cross through their hands and through their feet. When they would drop the cross into the hole uh, that, that would keep it elevated in the air, that dropping of the cross, when it would hit, it would cause the joints to come undone, for bones to come out of joint at the shoulders and the wrists so that they had no power to pull themselves up. Prophetically, David says, my bones are disjointed. It points to the cross. My heart is like wax melting within me. Verse 15, my strength is dried up like baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Twice during Jesus' crucifixion. Tells us when they first put him up on the cross, somebody dipped a sponge with sour wine in it and put it to Jesus' lips because they they wanted to give him something to drink and he refused it. And then almost just before he died, Jesus says, I'm thirsty. And again, they they put the sour wine to his lips as a mockery, something that would not quench his thirst. But Psalm 22 prophetically says, my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You put me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A gang of evildoers has closed in on me. It's pointing to these This group, this mob that would stand around Jesus and point at him and mock him and sneer at him as he hung helpless on a cross. And of course, they pierced my hands and my feet. A thousand years before the death of Jesus Christ on a cross, David prophetically points to the way Jesus would die with nails in his hands and his feet. Verse 17, I can count all my bones. People look. And stare at me, verse 18. They divided my garments among themselves and they cast lots for my clothing. If you remember the story in uh, Matthew chapter 27, it, it tells us exactly what, what happened. Go to Matthew chapter 27. tells us after crucifying him, they, this was the soldiers that nailed him to the cross, divided his clothes by casting lots. Again, Psalm 22 we see something prophetically. David didn't know that he was writing about the death of Jesus Christ, but through the wisdom of God and his word, he's pointing to something that would come. And we see this incredible picture of crucifixion, all of these little details that David could have never known. Crucifixion was invented by the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire didn't even exist at the time of David's writing. And yet we see this incredible picture of the suffering Messiah in this prophetic Psalm. The incredible thing though is is that through the foolishness of the cross, Paul writes about the foolishness of the cross in 1 Corinthians, because after all, it's foolish to think that someone's death on a cross could save anyone. How, How could death bring life but in God's wisdom and God's sovereignty, that's exactly what happened. The, The suffering of Jesus Christ on the cross brought victory, brought life. Doesn't make sense to our human perspective, but God in his wisdom knows exactly what he's doing. And so at this point in the Psalm, it kind of transitions. It transitions from this lament, this crying out, this prophetic picture of suffering And it jumps to a prophetic picture of victory, the victory that would come through the cross. But before we get there, I want to go to Philippians chapter two, verses eight through 11, says this, he, Jesus Christ, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, that... At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This phrase, every tongue will confess, is important because as we come to the second half of this psalm, we see this prophetic picture of every nation and every people group coming to a place of knowing the Savior. We sang just a few minutes ago in the song, Christ be magnified, the the bridge, it says, death is just a doorway into resurrection life. And if I join you in your suffering, then I'll join you when you rise. And when you return in glory with the angels and the saints, my heart will still be singing. My song will be the same. Christ be magnified. Christ be magnified. And so, The first half of Psalm 22, we see the suffering Savior prophesied in this psalm of lamentation. But the psalm ends in in victory. Psalm 22, starting in verse 25, it says, I will give praise in the great assembly because of you. I will fulfill my vows before those who fear you. Continues, the humble will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before you. The book of Revelation tells us that one day every nation and tribe and language will gather around the throne. When David wrote this Psalm, he was writing as the king of the nation of Israel, the chosen people of God. And there was no clear understanding that one day God would call all the nations to himself. But through Jesus Christ, God broke down the barrier between God and man and extended his invitation to the whole world. And so all of the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Verse 28 says this, For kingship belongs to the Lord. He rules the nation, Jesus Christ. The suffering savior is king of kings and Lord of lords. All who prosper on earth will eat and bow down. We just read out of Philippians chapter two, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. All those who go down to the dust will kneel before him. This is a picture that even in death, When our life on this earth is over, we will answer to the king. We will answer to the righteous judge, Jesus Christ. When we go down to the dust, we will kneel before him. Philippians chapter two says, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess of things in heaven and things on the earth and things under the earth. Even the one who cannot preserve his life. Verse 30, their descendants will serve him. The next generation will be told all about the Lord. And I praise God that we stand here two thousand years since the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ from generation to generation to generation the gospel has been declared and people have turned to God and we are recipients of that same gospel that this prophetic word that David even wrote a thousand years before Jesus Christ we are a part of the lineage we are we are a part of the legacy we are a part of of the line of God's people through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. Hey, (laughs) that's you and me. When David wrote these prophetic words, he said, they will come and declare his righteousness to a people yet to be born. We are those people who are yet to be born. We are those people who David could have never conceived and yet in God's wisdom and sovereignty and through the power of his spirit, he gave David these prophetic words that through Jesus Christ, people who are yet to be born will come to be a part of the family of God. And here's what's incredible, church, people who are yet to be born after us will continue to be a part of the family of God. The reason we did our next campaign, the reason we're renovating the auditorium, the reason we serve families and and OBC kids and our alive students is because we believe that each generation is called to declare God's faithfulness to the next. Generations that are yet to be born, we we pray for them even now. And Psalm 22 points to this. And I want to, wrap up with this it says they will put that back up they will declare what he has done now i underline that little phrase what he has done because there's something unique about that phrase as well the hebrew word uh for for that phrase is just one word it's asa asa and it literally means it is finished it is accomplished that one little word asa it was translated he has done but the literal word is asa it is finished and if you've been a student of God's word, if you've been around many messages about the cross, you'll remember Jesus' final words on the cross before he breathed his last breath. He said, it is finished. The Greek word is a, is a word called tetelestai. Well, let me read the scripture. When Jesus, you, you can go back. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. And so that Greek word is one word, similar to the word asah in hebrew the greek word is tetelestai and it means it is finished it is accomplished it is paid in full david writing a thousand years before the death of jesus christ on the cross finishes his psalm with this phrase it is finished which points to the ultimate victory of jesus christ on the cross and we are recipients the people yet to be born. And every nation has been invited into the family of God. And I love that right here on our campus, there are people represented from different people groups and cultures and languages and nations into the family of God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. As we close, there's, there's three applications The first one is this, Jesus Christ was abandoned so we wouldn't have to be. Jesus Christ was abandoned so we wouldn't have to be. When David writes in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When Jesus cries out these words on the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? He was cut off from the father for my sake and for your sake. He took the penalty, the weight of my sin and your sin. And that sin separated him from God on the cross. Jesus did that so that we would never have to be abandoned. So that we would never have to cry out, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Jesus told us in his word, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He closes Matthew 28 by saying, I will be with you even when the world ends. Because Jesus Christ was abandoned on the cross, we don't have to be abandoned. He took that for us. So here's the good news. If we are in Christ... If we have received Jesus Christ as our savior, then we are never alone. If we've received Jesus Christ as our savior, we are never alone. Jesus came to reconcile, that is to put in right relationship humanity and God, so that we could be adopted as children of God. And if we are in Christ, we are never alone. We are a part of the family of God. This morning, if you've come to a place of faith in your life where you have turned from from doing life on your own terms and you've turned and repented from your sin and turned to God for salvation, then you are a part of the family of God and you will never be abandoned. Even when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God is with you. In Christ, we are never alone. But if you've never come to that place of faith in your life, I can't give you that same promise. I can't give you the assurance of God's presence in your life. However, it's available to you. Jesus Christ calls us to come to him. He says, come unto me, all of you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. I am gentle and lowly come to me you will find rest for your souls the invitation is to everyone it doesn't matter who you are doesn't matter where you where you come from it doesn't matter what you've done the invitation is to all of us the gospel is incredible because it is at once incredibly exclusive in that Jesus Christ is the only way to God but it is also radically inclusive that anybody can come it doesn't matter who you are where you're from Everyone is welcome. And if you are in Christ, you are never alone. Today, maybe the Spirit of God is speaking to you and, and revealing that you need to come to that place of faith in your life, that you need to put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Savior. In just a minute, I'm gonna give you a, a chance to respond. And I, I wanna ask right now, all of our room hosts and all of the rooms, wherever you're at, I'm gonna ask the room host to stand up and go to the front of the room. And in our live room or the small auditorium or in the library, there's hosts in every room. And if God is calling you to respond today, you can go and and they would love to pray with you and walk with you through knowing Jesus Christ as your savior. You can also respond uh, by filling out one of our connection cards and, and we'll follow up with you and answer any questions that you have. But if God is calling you today, I invite you to respond. And here's the last thing, the last application. We are called to declare this gospel to the nations. This good news about Jesus Christ who came and gave his life so that we could be redeemed. We are called to take that to the streets, take it to our neighborhood and take it to our communities and take it all around the world. That is the mission of this church. Arthur did an incredible job a few weeks ago as as he preached out of the book of Psalms. I think it was Psalm 38 and, and helped at 138 and helped us to see uh, the call to take Christ to the nations That's what we're called to do. If you've come to a place of faith in your life, then you are a part of this story that God is telling. You're a part of declaring the good news to people who have yet to be born. What an incredible thing that we get to be a part of this this line, this lineage of faith from David a thousand years before the birth of Christ who prophesied about the cross. Now we're a part of the church and it is our mission to go and to tell. Why don't you close your eyes. I want to pray. Lord God, we love you. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that Jesus Christ was abandoned so that we wouldn't have to be, and He took on the weight and the penalty of our sin. For every selfish thought and desire and action we've ever committed, our pride and our rebellion, He took them all on Himself. And God, we thank You for the invitation that we can be a part of Your family. And we thank You that. When we are in Christ, we are never alone. So God, I pray for those who are discouraged this morning, who maybe feel alone, I pray that you would remind them that you are with them. God, for those who have never come to a place of faith in their life, putting their faith in you as Savior, God, I pray that you would call them and draw them to yourself even in this moment. Then God, I pray that you would give us all a heart to go and to declare the incredible truth of your gospel. We thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.